1: We are back on the Believe in the Jets podcast that is B-L-E-A-V in Jets. I am your host, Andrew Golden of Jets X Factor. I got my co-host, former Jet running back Lamont Jordan here with me. It has been another rough week in Jetsville. Week one has come and gone, and a lot of the same feelings of seasons past remain. The Jets fell, unfortunately, to the Baltimore Ravens 24-9 to in a game that was, quite honestly, a lot closer than the score indicates. Well, Mont, we are going to go through a breakdown the Ravens game as well as look ahead to Week 2 and the Cleveland Browns coming up this Sunday in Cleveland. Going to be a, a really interesting game, I think a similar matchup to Baltimore. One, personally, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, I think the Jets might have a better shot in this game than they did against the Ravens. So it's going to be interesting. I'd love to hear your overall thoughts about Baltimore first before we get into the thick of things.
0: You know, watching the game, <clears throat> the first thing that I thought was that the defense played well enough for the Jets to win this game. Agreed. You know, I, I think that this game started taking a turn for the worse on the joiner passing and passing interference towards the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. That's when things took took a took just took a turn for the worse. I mean, that was a thirty-one yard penalty at a time where you had the Baltimore Ravens with only three points. Then after that, Hall gets beat. He's been getting beat like that all preseason long. And I don't know if Gentry and him were fighting for that last spot, but right now, based on preseason and what I'm seeing right now, Hall looks like he's not the guy that was the smart choice to go with. Um, After that, you have the Coughlin fumble. Um, That takes away a first down, uh, which led to a, 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 a Zerline field goal. Like, that's how you ended the first half. Now you look at the second half and, you know, in the first defensive drive, you have a third and eight. You let Lamar scramble and contain. Um, You force a punt in that situation. Offense comes out, gets a three and out, muffs a punt for 20 yards. Baltimore starts on the Jets 44-yard touchdown. Um, And then they give up a TD on third and 10. And I think that right there, that's where the game was lost.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, going through the first quarter and a half, really, of this game, it was anybody's game. Yeah, yeah I thought that the the defense was absolutely lights out uh, for for all the worry and the fear that I had of this Ravens offense and their rushing attack. The Jets did about as good as you could have hoped. Uh, I mean, they they were exceptional against the run. Um Held the ravens to I think it was sixty three yards on twenty uh twenty attempts total as a team. It was about three yards a carry it was their lowest team total in, in like a season and a half i think um they they did fantastic against the run, and the score indicated that and you said it the defense did enough to win the game. I really do think they did The problem for me was not only the the miscues you had fumbles obviously weren't uh beneficial, you had some drop uh drop passes. You had some awful pass protection um, that really screwed some things up. I think we'll get into this as we get a little more in depth. The biggest thing for me outside of the, the miscues and the missed opportunities and really the shooting yourself in the foot was the, the offensive game plan Mm. because there was such a lack of, uh, of a desire to get our weapons, the ball in space. There was very little effort in my eyes to take advantage of all of this speed and talent that we had. I felt like there, they came out and they had a really good run play on the first play of the game. They got 19 yards of Michael Carter. They got five yards on their next rush and they said, okay, we're going to be able to, to establish our run game and do what we do and grind out some tough yards. And then we'll call some deeper throws off play action. Well, the offensive line couldn't block long enough to let those routes develop. And the Ravens secondary was doing a good job of covering it. So now you're kind of, if you don't adjust, you're really focused on your run game. And I wanted to go back and look, because uh, yards per carry totals, I think, can be very misleading, especially when you're talking about offensive strategy and how you go about your run game. The Jets averaged six yards a carry in the first half. And I saw a lot of people saying that they got away from the run too early and that it created some problems. and They need to be more committed to it. And while I'm not saying that they should have completely abandoned it and that they definitely should have kept their run, uh, run game part of their scheme. It's really important to their offense. They can't really abandon it. I want to go, I wanted to go through the actual results of those runs. And so I have the first 10 or so runs of the game listed out. I already said the 19 yarder to Carter and the five yarder to Carter to start after those two runs, most of these now carries coming on the next drives to start drives on first and second down. You have, A negative two yard run by Brees Hall, his first real carry in the NFL. You have a one yard rush by Michael Carter. You have a zero yard rush by Michael Carter. You have a one yard rush by Michael Carter. That's called back for holding. You have a four yard rush by Brees Hall and you have a zero yard rush by Brees Hall. The next time the Jets had any successful run, it was 14 yards to Brees Hall. It was late in the second quarter. So you go a huge stretch in the middle of the first quarter. (laughs) of not being able to get anything in your run game on early downs and it put them behind the chains. I wanted to see an adjustment earlier to on first down. Let's not just try and run at their teeth. Let's try and do something a little more creative than just run through a strong Baltimore defense and get yourself ahead of the sticks. So you're not in second and long with an offensive line that seemingly couldn't stop anything that to me was really the biggest miscue from a coaching standpoint. I think there was a lot of things that execution was a problem and the players themselves need to clean up. But overall, I just, I really wanted to see more from Michael floor. You don't got to empty out the whole bag in week one, but adjust as the game goes along, recognize that your run game was popping a little bit early, but your defense is keeping this close and you really need to try and get ahead of Baltimore. Cause when Baltimore gets ahead of you, they bury you. And that's exactly what we saw happen.
0: Yeah, I agree with you With the with, with, from the standpoint of getting your playmakers the ball in space. Um, but I think that when I look back at this game, I, you saw a very young Jets team playing up against, uh, uh, to me, I'm going to say a veteran Baltimore team just because that team has looked the same from the time that it has existed. <laughs> I mean...
1: And the coaching staff has practically been the same Yeah, and the, and, the and coach- there's so much continuity with them and, and the yeah. players that are there.
0: Yeah. And so I'm not, I'm I'm not going to overreact to this game. Um, we said it, I said it coming into the season that offensively I'm putting it on the shoulders of LaFleur and I came into the game saying that Flacco is a concern for me and you're not going to win a game if you have Joe Flacco dropping back to throw the ball 59 times. It's just not gonna happen, especially when you're talking about having your rookie tackle, uh, who's your third starting tackle coming in and play. So I'm not gonna overreact to this game. I think that this game, uh, it, I saw what I needed to see out of the defense. And to me, I think there are only two quarterbacks that win this game against the Jets this weekend and that's Lamar Jackson and possibly Patrick Mahomes a lot of the plays that were made from Baltimore were either Jets players, uh, uh, just poor technique or, or getting beat. But most of it had to do with Lamar in the pocket. You look at the touchdown, you look at some of the third down conversions. I mean, they had him on one play on on that third. They had him,
1: they had had him like six times.
0: Yes. They had him like six times. So I I, I love what I saw out of the Jets defense. and, And for me, it confirms what I felt coming into this season. And that is this. If you are a pocket passer, you better hope that your wide receivers can get open and you can be precise with your passes because this defensive line was able to get pressure on Lamar Jackson. With that said, I'm not going to overreact to this game. All of our excitement coming into this season had to do with Zach Wilson being the quarterback. And if you told me coming into the season, this offseason, that Joe Flacco was going to be the starting quarterback, I don't think that anybody would have had excitement, would be excited about the Jets this year. With that said, um, this game was what it was. It was the Jets playing against the Baltimore Ravens, a team that I think is favorite, a very dangerous team. They have one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL. and And the game went the way it went. You know, we lost 24 to 9 defense played well. LaFleur just has to do better. I think that at at one point, I think it was four minutes left in the third quarter. We were 0 for 8 on third downs. Yep. You know, you come out and you have your defense forces a punt. You go three and out and then you put the Baltimore Ravens back out there on the field. You just cannot do that. And so I think that these are things that they will learn from. I'm not going to overreact on this game. I think that they did a good job of stopping this Ravens run, rushing attack. And, and I said it, you have, to let, you have to get beat letting Lamar beat you throwing the ball. And that's what he was able to do. He was able to use his feet, he broke contain. We talked about how contain is gonna be critical. And a lot of the big plays that were made was because Lamar was able to move around in the pocket. He was able to extend plays and he broke contain. So um, I fully expect a, a much better outcome next week. But if we're going to get that outcome, then offensively, LaFleur has to do something about that because our third down conversions, I mean, you cannot win a game. Drew, you cannot win a game when you are two for 14 on third down. You will not win. No, it's impossible
1: the uh, i'd love to you know i'm sure at some point in the history of the nfl in the 100 plus years the game has been played there's been a team that's went two and 14 or worse on third down and one but you could probably count them on one hand yeah it's it's dang near impossible and that was basically the point that i st- i wanted to start with it's how do you avoid going oh and eight on third downs well for starters make them not third and longs Find ways to, I think when I, that same stat you're talking about midway through the third quarter, they were 0 for 8 on third down and it was their average, you know, down and distance to go was third and 7.6. That's tough. It is really tough to consistently have to convert third and longs in the NFL. And while there is something to be said about LaFleur getting some better plays called for those third and longs, there's also something to be said about avoiding getting into them to start with. So that's where really it was my point. As you get into this first half of the game, your defense is playing so well, the game is still close. You have the Ravens right where you want them. Go for the throat. Go for the jugular. Try and be explosive. Try and dictate the game. Try and come out and make a statement. And yes, your offensive line isn't playing well. You don't got to come out and try and throw haymakers on first down. That's not what I'm saying. But we didn't see really much quick game. We didn't see really much... Uh, opportunities for for guys to get in space one of the things that i brought up on oklahoma drill was that i wanted to see some tunnel screens because i figured the baltimore ravens were going to be playing a lot of press or a lot of you know quasi match where they're about five yards off kind of cloud technique and if they're going to try and run bubble screens then i thought the ravens would have a chance to jump it and pick it off but tunnel screens you're going to having going to have guys trailing i thought there'd be a better angle we didn't really see much of any of that. We didn't see any of the, the jet sweeps to Berrios or, or anything like that. So this is where I'm saying you don't need to op- empty out the whole bag, but your defense goes out and gets a great stop. And you're trying to, you know, take charge of this game and get a, get some points on the board early. Let your defense do what they do, which is rush the passer and, je- and protect the pass. I really wanted to see more from LaFleur in that aspect. But like you said at the start, I'm not overreacting at this game either. There was a lot to be encouraged by in this game. There was a lot to take uh, going forward in this game. This was not a game where the Jets were so immediately outclassed and out-talented that they shouldn't have even bothered showing up. This wasn't a game where the coaching staff got so completely embarrassed and outsmarted that you know it was just a disaster from start to finish. This wasn't any of that. This was a competitive game for 75% of it, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until the Ravens did what they do which is once they get you in a hole they don't stop it wasn't until the end of the game that the game really got out of reach there was a lot of opportunities for the jets to take this game let alone miscues offensively defense played really well but they forced an early fumble that they didn't recover Mm -hmm. there's there's a huge opportunity uh towards i think it was towards the end of the first half to go and split field position and turn the ball over they had one turnover on the day if i'm remembering correctly and it was dj reed's interception late in the game which great play by dj reed and hearing i don't know if you heard about dj reed but his father actually unfortunately passed away about like minutes before the game started and he got word of it yeah he got word of it as the national anthem was going on Mm -hmm. and played that game entirety just fresh off that information he was targeted six times. He didn't allow a single catch. He had a passer rating when targeted of 0.0. He had a forced fumble and an interception. So all the credit in the world to DJ Reed for the incredible, amazing performance that he put on. But you got to get some turnovers earlier in the game on defense. Yeah. You force a fumble and you don't pick it up. That's killer. So yeah. I'm my takeaways from this game, it's basically what we said last week in the preview is that This final score may not quite indicate it exactly the way we were thinking, but it was a close game where the Jets were able to hang around, showed that they have things to build on for the future, that they're not completely talentless, and they lost this game more than they were beaten. It should tick them off. It should have them ready to go for this next week in Cleveland, uh, you know firing in on the fine details, crossing the T's and dotting the I's and really making sure they can they get dialed in to be the type of team they want to be. Because they're close. They're a lot closer than they were last year. I, you know what?
0: As I sit down and I really think about this game, I don't think that they would have beaten the Ravens doing a lot of slip and tunnel screens. The Ravens are just too fast to the ball. And I think that when you run that style of offense, the thing that really helps that style of offense go is when you have a running quarterback. And I think that that's where where Flacco just being a pocket pass and where it kind of hurts. Now, I would have liked to see them try a little more. I do agree with you on that. I just don't think that that, that would have been the way to go. Um, I saw earlier on, uh, later on in the game, no, actually this was, I believe this was, Coming into halftime where well, Michael Carter dropped the touchdown pass. Yeah. You the know execution. Right. Yeah. So I think I, I, I don't believe that throwing the slip in the tunnel screens would have been the way to go. I think going back to running your shallow crosses, because that's the route that he dropped. It was a shallow cross. I really think that getting your backs involved in the in 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 the um passing game a lot more would have been something that helped. I don't think that the tunnel screens would have helped. Um, just because Baltimore's defense is is too fast, it's almost as if they they want you to do that. I feel like if you're doing that against Baltimore, you're kind of playing right into their hands. Um, so with that said, we want I, w- I would love to see them execute more. Um, I haven't had a chance to really watch the film on Cleveland, but I'm, I'm really expecting to see something different from this Jets team um, for next week.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll get to Cleveland next. Uh, I have gotten into them a little bit from last week. It's going to be a really interesting game. Uh, the The Browns dominated the Panthers in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and it wasn't even a competition. And if the Jets want to have a chance, they're going to have to fight back because uh, if they play the way the Panthers did, even though the the final score was close and it went down to the wire on a last-second field goal, the the Browns were the better team that day, and it was pretty evident. Um like you said, not to go, you know, too back trying to counter. Would a tunnel screen might have? Are you playing into their hands a little bit? Kinda. They are a very fast defense. They do fly to the ball. I did think in certain situations, again, not as your base offense, but as a way to generate some yards on a first down, or a way to, you know, pick up when it's second and eight. What are you going to try and do outside of just call play action pass? And the one thing that you mentioned with the shallow crosses is what I said at the start, which was more quick game which is that can be, you know, kind of a supplement for your run game in a lot of ways. If you go think of Tom Brady and the Patriots for so many years where they didn't have a running back, you know, they would turn around and no back ever got over a hundred yards rushing, but James White would have seven catches for 145 yards. Sometimes a little, you know, quick throw out to the back as the first read can be similar to a run play. You get four or five yards on first down, you set yourself up in a second and manageable. It's accomplishing the same sort of, from a drive perspective it's accomplishing the same thing it's not doing the same thing from setting plays up for the future and having the mentality that you have when you run the ball on somebody but at some point like you said they were zero and eight on third down they needed to realize that they were struggling converting earlier in that game they shouldn't have let it get to zero and eight they shouldn't mm. have had eight opportunities to fail in a row with an average down of distance of, of seven and a half yards. That's where I think they really need to improve execution on top of that. There's room for improvement. There's room for encouragement. I really am looking forward to seeing how they play next week. Cause I think it's going to be a difference. I really do.
0: Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, I, I mean, just to kind of finish up uh, this, this Baltimore game um, I'm really impressed with the defense. I am impressed. Agreed. With the defense. They, they, they gave me reason to believe that, you know what, they, they, this, this, is going, this could be a different season for the Jets. Um, unfortunately, they ran, not unfortunately, because I think it's fortunate that they ran into Baltimore for this first game of the season. Um, when I look at how well they did against Baltimore, although in that second half, I do feel like Baltimore was able to establish their run a little bit. Yep. But I think a large part of them establishing their run had to do with the threat of Lamar with his legs. Uh-huh. When they play Cleveland, that is not the case. When we play Cleveland this upcoming week, you have a drop back quarterback that should not hurt you with your legs. And you're playing against a team that the heart and soul of what they do offensively is smash mouth football. And so as we you know kind of transition to the game next week, against um against Cleveland for me the very first thing that I'm looking at offensively you have to give this defense better support you have to put up you have to put up points against this this Cleveland's team
1: yeah I know I I completely and totally agree I'm this is going to be my overarching statement for every Jets game in the future as long as this is their scheme that they're running on offense and defense score early otherwise the game's going to be tough That it's, that's how this scheme has been built to play. They're built to play the pass. They're built to play with a lead. They're built to, to capitalize on quarterbacks like Joe Flacco, having to throw 59 times a game because you never lead for a single second at any point in the game. And you're having to play catch up for the entirety of the second half. And you know, you have this dangerous MVP caliber quarterback on the other side that can do damage, even though your defense is playing well, they can only play well for so long. Eventually, that guy's going to get his. And that's what we saw against the Ravens with the Browns. It's it's the same deal. The offense has to come out, you know, and and establish things early, get take advantage of what this defense does early in games, because I think this is similar to what we saw at the beginning of last season is the beginning of last season. The Jets defense played pretty well, too. And they would go through the first halves of games and games would still be close. And the offense just wasn't able to capitalize. Eventually the defense would get figured out. Offenses are going to tune into what's happening. They're going to have their keys. They're going to come up with some other plays to try and generate some yards And the defense. If they're not getting figured out, then they're going to get gassed being on the field so much. So you have to be able to score points early and specifically just based off what we saw last week. And based off what I saw from the Browns last week, you have to figure out how to stop Miles Garrett, mm-hmm. because the left side of the Jets' offensive line, specifically George Fant and Lake and Tomlinson, were awful against the Ravens. They were they were awful. Lake and Tomlinson, uh, God bless you. I'm so glad you're making that money. I hope you prove that you're worth it. But last week was unacceptable. For a player that was signed as a former pro bowler, top level free agent, supposedly coming in to anchor the offensive line, that was that was unacceptable. And I'm sure Tomlinson would agree with me. I don't think I'm saying anything that's controversial here. That has to be better. Fant clearly having to bounce back and forth so much between the right and left side kind of got him tripped up and put some extra rust on him. Hopefully another week in the same spot can get him more settled. But Miles Garrett is another sort of animal. Miles Garrett is, is a, an alien's alien. And mm-hmm. expecting George Fant to just go out there and lock up Miles Garrett one on one all day is going to be a recipe for, for disaster. That's how you lose games. That's poor coaching. What the Browns did, they just put Garrett in a wide nine against Iki Aquan, who was the Panthers' rookie left tackle, and said, go have fun. We're going to put you out wide every time. If the Browns put a tight or if the Panthers put a tight end to the same side and he doesn't chip you then great. Now you have even more of a free lane to get to the quarterback. If he does chip you, who cares your miles Garrett, you'll go through it. Mm -hmm. Garrett had two sacks. I think he had five total pressures was by far their best defender. Uh, Really gave Iquanu a welcome to the NFL sort of game, which any rookie in that scenario would have had the same fate going up against a guy like Garrett. So for me, the number one thing they have to do is figure out a way to stop miles Garrett in the past game. And if they are going to be playing that sort of the Browns, I mean, are going to be playing the same sort of defensive structure that they did last week where they're going to have Garrett in a wide nine, a lot. This is where I wanted to talk to you, Lamont and get your uh, opinion here. What do you think is the best way to go about handling Garrett? Is it chip him with a tight end and hope that helps? Is it maybe you double team him with Lakin and uh, Fant and you have Fant sell more out to the outside move and have Lakin there as inside help? Do you try and chip him with a back? What is your, uh, your plan for slowing down Miles Garrett? Because you're not going to stop him. Just like Lamar Jackson, you're not going to stop Lamar Jackson. You're not going to stop Miles Garrett. But how would you slow him down?
0: Uh, for me, the answer has always been run at him. Make him work. You got to run at them. You have to hit them from different directions. You have to make them think. Um, And running the ball up on the inside. If he's going to line up in a wide nine, then you have to be able to run that ball up on the inside of him. I think that this is a game where, yes, to kind of help this situation out. Yeah, you can run some tunnel screens. You can run different things. um, But I think play action at him because the play action at him, especially if the back is only responsible for a secondary player, you allow your back to be an extra blocker to kind of give him a chip. Not only that, if the linebackers are dropping deep to get underneath of those routes, now after the back chips, that's an easy check down. So when you're talking about getting your athletes the ball in space, when you talk about how do you stop a a dominant defensive end, my solution has always been run at them, hit them from different directions, make them think, do some play actions at them where the back can actually get a chip, move the pocket to kind of change up the rush lane. Because the one thing about having Joe Flacco or just not just Flacco, because I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm coming too down, coming down too hard on Flacco. The thing about having a drop back quarterback who is just a statue back there is it allows yep. it allows the defensive rushers to, to set their angle you know that uh-huh. the back is going to be here, and if he isn't there, he's not going to be too much further away from there. So I think calling a game where you have different protections, where you're able to move the pocket and buy time for your speed down the field. But initially, I want to run at him. Let's let's fatigue him. Let's tire him out. Let's hit him from different angles, and let's see if they're if Cleveland is going to move him around the ball. I mean, move him around the defense, because what will happen is sometimes They'll know that, hey, you're trying to run at this defensive end. And so they'll start moving him all over the place. And then you can't game plan for him. And I think that if you can get Cleveland to move him all around the place, I I think that that's going to be a tell that, hey, they see your game plan. They're trying to free things up for him where he can get one on one with one of your um, offensive tackles. So run at him establish some type of power game because that's what this game is going to be about. It's going to be about the power offensive line. Are you powerful enough to stop this defensive line and, uh, stop Cleveland's defensive line and jets defense. Are you powerful enough to stop this run game of Cleveland? Because you're going to have to stop this run game. If you're going to have a chance to win.
1: I completely agree. I 110% agree. Uh, you can't just have miles Garrett comfortably sitting in a wide nine and just letting him come around the corner all game you you, you can't make it easier uh for the browns defense to dominate you have to find ways to tire him out like you said run adam is a great way to go about it if he's going to be out in that wide nine there's going to be a gap between him and likely either the three technique or wherever they happen to align their their line and whatever front it is there's going to be a big gap there if he's going to be all the way out on that edge. And you got to be able to to take advantage of that. If Cleveland is going to sell out for the pass and say, Garrett, we're putting you this far out on the edge so you can go win, then don't just let them. I think running at them is a great way to do it. I think play action at them is another way. And like you said, with the chips leading to easy checkdowns, I love that. Uh, This Browns defense, this Browns team really is very similar to the Jets schematically and in terms of, physicality and identity where they want to be strong up front on both sides of the ball. The head coach Kevin Stefanski is a Shanahan disciple via Gary Kubiak. So the offensive schemes are are very, very similar. Uh, it's a wide zone principles to start you got your play action off of it west coast uh, and whatever other wrinkles you're going to throw in specifically the browns have a little more of a power run aspect with nick chubb and kareem hunt they can do a little more things on the inside run some duo run some power the jets do that as well um i would like to see them do it a little more but well this browns team like i said at the start and like you just said lamont it's going to be one and lost up front the the trenches are going to win this game it's who has the best who has the best front line on both sides of the ball. That's going to decide the outcome. I, I fully believe that looking ahead past just miles Garrett. Offensively looking at the rest of this Browns defense, there's a lot of talent on the Browns defense. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of talent. You got Denzel Ward, uh, and Greg Newsom at corner. You got two really good corners. I think Denzel Ward's one of the more underrated players in this league. I think he's really, really good, uh, safeties are good josh johnson's a great safety grant delpit had a really good year last year he seemed to continue it week one in carolina linebackers anthony walker's a good player i loved jeremiah wusu koromoa coming out he was my my draft man crush last year uh that i would have loved the jets to take and, and but you know he's played fantastic since he's been in the league this there's a lot of talent on this team but like we've seen with the jets defense They run a handful of zone. It's mainly a lot of uh, single high. And I think there's ways that you can exploit it. Hopefully, this is going to be my point, really, with the coaching staff. The coaches should know how to beat this team because it's basically asking them, how do you beat yourself? Defensively, it's, you know, four, three base, single high principles, wide zone, play action, West Coast on offense. They're practically the same teams. So if they can't figure out ways to to scheme up on this defense to get some easy completions when they get when they see some cover three looks to use this speed i really want to see barrios utilized more in this game Uh, even if it's it doesn't need to be scheme touches it doesn't need to be bubble sweeps but quick game like you said shallow crossers give him a shallow crosser in space and let him turn the corner and make something out of it the jets scored a touchdown against the buccaneers uh, at the end of last season where they had barrios in the slot running a little short out He's able to catch it and stride, turn the corner, and tap the pylon. You know, there's there's ways to generate some offense against this defense, and I'm hopeful that the coaching staff, with the similarities in the schematics, should be able to know what they need to do. I'm really hoping this is a bounce back game for Michael Floor, and on top of that, the execution needs to be there. You can't be fumbling the ball. I, we love Brees Hall. I know you love Brees Hall. You know, practically more than I do. But he can't be swinging that ball out that far outside of him. This is an Iowa State anymore. You, you know, he's got a and I, and I know knowing Brees and the type of player that he is and and how efficient he's been through his career. He's going to know that. I'm sure he's not happy that he fumbled and lost a fumble in his first game. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be something that that he's going to focus on. But execution, get your guys the ball in space, do what you can to stop Garrett, run at him. I agree. Uh, I think you got to be strong with your run game and you got to hope for some better play from this offensive line because they can't have a repeat performance of last week. They won't have a shot if they do.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm
1: really interested in seeing Sauce against Amari Cooper. Yeah, let's go to the defense next, because this is exactly where I wanted to talk to you about. So go ahead, talk about Sauce and Amari. I, I,
0: this, this is a matchup that I really want to see, and I know that we like to play zone a lot, but I do think that against running teams, Like, you have to take your chances of going with some man-to-man. And so, Sauce going against Amari Cooper, We talked, you know, I talked about this. I always thought that he would do well against tall wide receivers. Amari Cooper can run routes, though. I'm really interested in seeing that matchup between Amari Cooper. Defensively, look, this game is going to be won if this defense can force Jacoby Brissett to beat you. If we look up at the end of the game, and we see that Jacoby Brissett is the reason that the Jets lost the game, then my head's off to Cleveland. Yeah, then, you,
1: then you did your best, and, and you got yeah, beat, you, and that happens. It's the that. NFL.
0: No, but you're not going to win the game if Nick Chubb has 22 carries for 141 yards, an average of 6.4. You're not mm-hmm. going to win the game. The other thing that we have to be mindful of from a defensive standpoint is that anytime Kareem Hunt is on the field, you have to be alert for the checkdown. This is a game that whoever is checking the running backs and the line and the tight ends, um, who's ever checking those guys, you have to have your antennas up. To me, Cleveland is a team that is going to grind you out. That's what they're going to do. They're going to try to run the ball, pick up three yards on first down, pick up another three yards on second down, get the change to third and manageable, check the ball down, perhaps get a pass to a uh, to to Peoples Jones or a check down to Kareem Hunt. Make Cleveland beat you throwing the ball. As far as I'm concerned, defensively, we got to sell out on the run. That's that's what it comes down to. Our front four has to be dominant. It's just that simple. If the front four of the Jets is dominant, the Jets win this game. it's, It's just that simple. I don't think that Jacoby Brissett can beat this defense. I just don't. I love this Jets defense. And quite frankly, if we can get some assistance from the offense, I really think that this Jets defense can be a top 10, top 15 defense.
1: With the way they played against the Ravens in the first half, if they can get an offense to match, I don't see any reason why they can't be top 15. Uh, I I would say that top 10 is, is a possibility, if everybody hits their stride and they really get in a groove, but there's no reason they can't be a, a top half of the league defense, at least. And though they have too much talent, the, the, the players that they have are, are experienced for the most part, the ones that are starting are experienced in their roles. The young guys are performing well. They have depth, you know, there's, there's a lot of reason to be encouraged by this defense, but you're a hundred percent, right. You have to sell out to stop the run. It, it, if Jacoby Brissett throws for 350 and, three touchdowns and you lose. Oh, well. Oh, well. I'd rather have Jacoby Brissett beat me that way and shock the world than Nick Chubb go for 140, Like you said, uh, you, you have to do everything you can to sell out and stop the run and dare Jacoby Brissett to win as a throwing quarterback. That's not just throwing underneath. He needs to be throwing down the field. I'm trying to go back and look and see what exactly what his uh, yards per attempt was in the game against the panthers but it wasn't very high let me see if i can pull that up here really quick i mean he He had had,
0: a rating of 38.1 i mean (laughs) yeah he was
1: 18 for 34 for 147 yards one touchdown no pick and a yards per attempt let me do some math here really quick a 4.32 yards per attempt so This is not a, a down-the-field, dangerous passing offense. It wasn't against the, the Panthers either. Despite that, Nick Chubb goes for 141. Kareem Hunt had, adds another 46 on 11 carries. You got a problem on this ground game. If you cannot slow this ground game down, you're really not going to have a chance. So I agree. You got to sell out and stop the run and hope that your secondary that just played so well can have a repeat performance and really shut down in the back end where you started with sauce and Amari. This is where I wanted to to specifically mention, because I don't think the jets corners on their early downs are going to be flipping sides. I think they're very much, you know, DJ Reed is our right corner. Sauce is our left corner. We did see sauce move around a little bit on third downs where he specifically was the matchup guy from Mark Andrews, where they put him in the slot a couple of times and they had him line up on uh, Andrews one-on-one, have him in man. And he did pretty well for the most part against Mark Andrews isolated. But Mark Andrews and Amari Cooper are two different people. Mm -hmm. And and covering them is definitely a different story. So this is going to be something I want people to pay attention to. When the Browns line up on offense, if Amari Cooper is on the offense's left, meaning that he's going to be going against DJ Reed, then it's likely that Donovan Peoples-Jones, the other receiver, is going to be on the other side on the right going against Sauce Gardner. If DPJ is going against Sauce and Amari Cooper is going against DJ Reed, I think the Jets' secondary is clamps. I think those are really good matchups for the Jets on either side where – Sauce has the size and the physicality to match up with DPJ. He's more than fluid and agile enough to keep up with him. So that's not going to be a problem. And I think DJ Reed is the sort of instinctual, twitchy, explosive, you know, gnat in coverage that can run with a route runner like Amari and, and stick with him and be able to keep up with him from an agility standpoint. When that flips and you have DPJ on DJ Reed and you have Amari Cooper on Sauce Gardner, that's when I'm wondering how things are going to go. Because I worry, I think DJ Reed's a great player. He plays bigger than his 5'9 frame would indicate, but that doesn't mean that he can easily go up against a guy like DPJ who's all every bit of 6'4", and win on some back shoulders if that's what the Browns try and do. That might be a little tough. We also have to see how Sauce Gardner handles a really talented wide receiver that can win with routes and create separation. And that was your biggest concern and my biggest concern as well with him coming out was how is he going to handle the shifty or smaller receivers that can really chop you up? If the Jets secondary can win their tough matchups as well as their easy matchups, then you got to be able to sell out, stop the run, trust in these guys, trust in the guy you just took fourth overall, trust in the guy you're paying, you know, 30 something million dollars to in free agency, let them do what you brought them in to do and let everybody else on your defense focus on stopping Nick Chubb. If you can make the Browns one-dimensional, I think you win the game.
0: Yes, I agree with you on that. And that dimension has to be throwing the ball. Yeah, it, it has to be. And I really think that the offense is going to play a major part in this. If you can get out to an early lead, if the defense ding, comes, ding, out, ding. if this defense comes out in the first half and they're able to keep Cleveland to like three or or seven or ten points then the Jets have to have have anywhere between 14 to 21 points. You, you, You have to provide support for this defense. And in the first game against the Ravens, the Jets offense did not do that. So for me, I know that we're talking a lot about the defense. I think it's very simple. If Cleveland is able to run the ball down a Jets throat, Cleveland is going to win this game. They're going to eat up the ball. They're going to eat up the time of possession and offensively, if we consistently have three and outs, what you're going to see is a defense that's eventually going to wear down. Now, with that said, here is where our depth on the defensive line comes into play, which is why I'm always going to go back to the offense on this game that you have to provide support. When you're playing against a team that loves to focus on a run game, if they're picking up four yards here, six yards there, first down. Two yards here, six yards there, six yards here, first down. 14-yard play, first down. And you look up, and six, seven minutes later, they done went on an 11-12 play drive that ate up, you know, five to seven minutes on the clock, and your offense comes out there and goes three and out. It's going to be a very long and embarrassing day for the Jets. This offense has to show up. I have no concerns about the defense in this game. I would be shocked if the Browns scored over 21 points in this game. I would really be shocked. I am completely sold out on this defense. I think that playing against Lamar and playing against the Ravens for the first week, it helped us to to get all the film that we need in the trenches, because that's where we need the most work is in the trenches. And you said it, this game is going to be won or lost in the trenches. You're not going to be able, this isn't a game where, okay, we just have to go out there and out talent. No. This is truly a fight down on your mouthpiece. Be ready. Be ready to hurt. Be ready to hit. Be ready to get hit. And you have to have the mindset that you're going to do it for the entire game because this Cleveland Browns team, they're in a race right now. With Pittsburgh, you have no idea what's happening with their running back. He got a little nicked up. Um, you look at Cincinnati Bengals. They may have. They may have like the hangover from the Super Bowl. Cleveland is coming into this game saying, hey, if we can beat the Jets, we're starting out two and no, we're right in the thick of things.
1: Yeah, no, they got motivation as well. They're going to try and right the ship. Uh, they know that eventually they're going to have a talented quarterback coming back and playing for them. Whether he should be allowed to or not is another discussion, but they're not going to try and say, OK, our season's over. We're just going to wait 11 weeks and then we'll go and see what we can do. They have confidence. They have a win. They're trying to set themselves up for the future. They were a good team last year. You know, they're not just going to come out and lie down. And you said this isn't going to be who's the the most talented team. Not at all. Who's the tougher team? Who's the team that can last the longest? Who's got the most left in the tank at the end of the day? Who can, like Robert Sala likes to say, who can go into that dark place and and access that little bit of whatever they have left to go out and fight at the end of the game? This is going to be a grudge match. This is going to be a a test of wills. It's not going to be a a who's the better team. It's going to be the who who wants it more, quite honestly. Which team wants it more? Which team has that determination to to last for those four quarters? And you're right. I'm not worried about the Jets' defense. I, I really am so encouraged by what I saw against the Ravens, like you said, that I think they can slow this run game down. I think they will be able to sell out and stop the run. I think their secondary can play well enough to where they can hold things down in the back end. And outside of Amari Cooper, I'm really not scared of anyone.
0: Mm -mm.
1: Uh, There really isn't many threats on this offense where I'm sitting going, Oh, it's, it's all this dangerous skill talent. No, it's the running backs. It's Kareem hunt and Nick Chubb are the things that scare me the most. After that, it's Amari Cooper. You handle the run game. You handle Amari Cooper. I don't know who else on this Browns offense beats you. So I really think that, that the jets have an opportunity in this game. I think that's going to lead us into our picks and our bets for the week presented by BetOnline.ag. Officially. We can now say that that is very awesome. We're going to be using the bet online odds here. The jets open as six and a half point underdogs against the Cleveland Browns. The game is in Cleveland Lamar uh, Lamont. Sorry, you're talking about Lamar Jackson so much. Got my brain all messed up. Lamont, I'll go out and say it. The money line pick for the New York Jets is plus 220. I think the Jets win this game outright. I think you're going to see a better play from the offense. I think this is a great matchup for the Jets defensively. I think they're going to be able to be familiar enough with the scheme where you're not playing anything new like we saw with the Ravens and Lamar, where you're going to have to play for the option game. You're going to have to play for the quarterback keep, uh, the counters and all the different things they do with the pistol. They're going to be seeing a very similar to offense to what they've practiced against all summer. Uh, all summer. I think this is a much better matchup for the Jets than this was last week. And the Jets played better last week than quite honestly, I was really expecting them to in a lot of key areas. I don't think this is going to be an absolute dominant effort. I don't think the Jets are going to win by a lot. I still think it might be somewhat of a close game in the end, but I really think that the Jets are going to win this game. I just think that it's schematically and how they play. I think the Jets have the advantage. I'm going to go out and say it Jets on the money line and I am picking the Jets to win 21 14.
0: Well, I am. um, I'm going to go back to. A show that we did prior to the season starting where I had the Jets starting the season at three and two. And before the season started, I thought that their first victory would come against the Cleveland Browns. I just don't think that a a pocket quarterback is going to be able to beat the Jets. Um, I fully expect that Lafleur is going to get things together on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I had the Jets beating Cleveland before the season started and that's, that's, that's not even, that's not going to change. I'm definitely going to take the Jets on the money line. Um, this is, this is a win for the Jets. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I want to go as bold as to say, not only would I, if, if you could possibly do this on a same game parlay, I would take the Jets on the money line and I would also go with the Jets at a minus four. I just, that's that's how strongly I feel about this win. I just love the direction that the Jets are headed in. I have to believe that LaFleur is going to get the offense together. And I really think that this, that this defense is going to put Cleveland in a position that they're going to have to throw the ball. And if that's going to happen, it's going to happen because the offense is putting up points. And so I'm going to stick with what my preseason pick was, that the Jets would get their first win against the Cleveland Browns. And I'm sticking with it.
1: I'm I'm right there with you. And this is the last point I want to make about this. And I'm honestly a little surprised that neither of us brought this up uh, at all so far. But I think there's something to it. The Browns just had a really tough game. It came down to the last second against the the Panthers. They had to win on a game winning field goal. They were up early and then they lost the lead. And then the Panthers looked like they were going to win right at the end. And they had the Browns were able to come back and get in range for for a long field goal and win it. And there's a lot of emotions. It's week one. You know, it's craziness. You're you're in a foreign environment and you have all of that go on. Now, if you're the Browns, you're saying, okay, we're going to reset. We're going to go back home. We're in our home stadium. Oh, it's the Jets. We'll be fine. I think they might overlook the jets a little bit. I think they might be coming down a little bit from the big win. We had our backup quarterback who didn't really play all that well, but we still were able to get the win. And I think you're going to see this, this Browns team get a little too comfortable and and not quite be ready to play in the same way that they might've been week one. And I think that's the perfect opportunity for the jets to come in and hit them in the mouth. And I think that's what you're going to see is that this Jets team is angry. They are not happy with the way they played. They know that they had an opportunity to steal one against an AFC powerhouse in their home stadium to open the year, and they let it slip through their fingers, and they know that. I don't think you're going to see a Jets team just come out and, and repeat the same mistakes. I think you're going to see a Jets, Jets team come out swinging, and you're going to see a Browns team in recoil for the first bit of the game because they're not going to know what's going on.
0: I think I, have, I, I have to disagree with you on that. I think that last week, them winning that close game gives them more momentum headed into the second game. And if if you're the coach over there at Cleveland, the one thing you want to remind your team of is that majority of these players on the Jets defense are back. And this is the same team that I believe beat Cincinnati last year. And so you wanna give that as a constant reminder. Now, had Cleveland came out in that last game and they lost, I would agree with that. I would say that Cleveland lost an emotional game. They're coming home. If the Jets could weather the first quarter storm, the Jets will come out with the victory. But I don't think that, that, that Cleveland is gonna overlook this Jets team. I don't think that at all. The same way we sat here and we watched the film and we're encouraged by what we saw from the Jets, On the defensive side of the ball, there is nothing in that locker room, if you're Cleveland, that says that this is going to be a walk in the park. Um, There's nothing about you that says that you're the Ravens outside of having Garrett. Um, Your quarterback is not as dynamic. And if you watch the game, you have to say that the Ravens won that game because of a P.I., a couple of mistakes, and the fact that they had Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. So I don't think they're gonna come into this game looking past the Jets. I I really don't. If you watch the film of the Jets, if you look at the fact that all of these weapons that they have on the offensive side of the ball, you can't overlook this team. So I think that this is gonna be a game that the Jets offense has to come out and take this game. I'm not concerned with the defense. If there's one point that I would hit on for the defense that will cause all of this to go just completely downhill, which will lead to a Cleveland victory is this. We cannot afford to have missed tackles. We that yeah cannot have that. Nick Chubb with those big legs, he keeps some things going. If you come out there like the cowardly lion to tackle Nick Chubb, he's going to embarrass you. These guys truly have to bite down on their mouthpieces. They got to strap up their chin straps. If they got to put on some extra... uh the the shockers that you wear underneath the, your shoulder pads, you have to come into this game as a defensive player, making up in your mind, especially in the secondary, especially in the secondary, you have to make up your mind that it's going to be 11 caps to the ball. We're wrapping him up and we're playing through the whistle. That is the only way that I see Cleveland coming out of here with a victory. There are two ways, I'm sorry. One way is the offense comes out there and doesn't show up again, which I don't anticipate will happen. And the other way that Cleveland wins this game is if defensively they do a poor job of tackling.
1: Yeah, quite honestly, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, I I really, uh, that's how the Jets lose. They can't tackle and they can't score. If they score points and they tackle, I don't see how they lose. I I still think, and and you probably know best, I'm not going to ever sit there and argue with you about what's going on in a locker room because you always will have my number on that every single time. But I do think that they're, there is a chance that maybe some of the younger players on the Browns might be willing to overlook the Jets a little bit because they're not used to everyone in the NFL being good yet. They're not used to their any given Sunday moment where they've played a team that they really were expecting to beat and they they didn't have that opportunity. And so maybe for the youth of Cleveland, there'll be a little bit of a transition. But even without, quite honestly, if the Browns are ready, I'm not sure it'll matter because they're going to have to be able to run the ball. And if they can't run the ball, then all the Jets offense has to do. If the Jets offense can get two scores in the first half, if they can get 10 points, at least in the first half, I would be very surprised to see them walk out of Cleveland with a loss.
0: Mm. I'm with you on that. And, And you have to stop Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland scored nine points in the second half last week, and they scored 17 points in the second quarter. If you look at what, the Jets did against um, if you look at what the Jets did against Baltimore, all right. First half, the Jets gave up 10 points. And seven of those points came towards the end of the second and towards the end of the first half. If the Jets can avoid those types of mistakes, just don't give the game to Cleveland. Yep. Don't give the game to Cleveland. I this is a win for the Jets. If the Jets don't give this game to Cleveland, the Jets walk away with a victory. And I and I love um i read something that coach Sal said about um and i'm paraphrasing here but basically like it's some people jumping off the bandwagon and 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 he's he's talking about receipts
1: yep That's he said we're was. taking receipts yeah. on all the people that are saying that we're the same old jets and and when this clicks <laughs> and when we're good and we're beating the brakes off people that we'll have the receipts of who said what was going on now yeah i i I saw a lot of people had some, some bad reactions to that. And then what a lot of people didn't understand as be a good way for us to end, he was talking to his team. Yes. He was talking to his players. That's all he was doing. So you as a former player, explain that better than I could, because I was able to understand that. But from your perspective as a player, what's, what's he saying?
0: That's a, that's a coach to saying that, that, yeah, we just lost the first game, but guess what? I still believe in my guys. Y'all can go ahead and give up on us and think that we're the same old jets, but we're not. And in this next week, we're going to come out here. And we're going to show it. So y'all go ahead and keep talking all the negativity, keep thinking that we're the same old team, but we're not. And, and and if I'm a player in that locker room, I want to go out there and I want to go to war for my coach because my coach still believes in us, and he's not just giving lip service. He's yep. he's not he's not being political when he makes that statement. This is a head coach that truly believes in his team. That's disappointed that his team did not get the victory and that the offense didn't show up. And he's letting them know that I fully expect for us to come out here next week and get this win. That's what I hear.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I heard. Uh, Sala opened his press conference where he, he mentioned that talk about receipts and his opening line was that we didn't get beat on Sunday. We lost. And, and I mean, he's right. <laughs> and he's right. And that's exactly what happened. The the Ravens didn't go out there and smash the Jets. The Jets had a a lot of opportunities to win that game and they lost it themselves. They clean that up against the Browns. The Browns are not as talented. It's a better matchup schematically. It's a better matchup talent wise. There's a lot of reasons to be hopeful. The Jets are going to get a win in Cleveland this week.
0: Oh yeah. We're calling it on the show. Jets win.
1: Jets win. That's the call. thank you so much for your time here as always always appreciate getting a chance to talk with you thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in as well make sure you guys are following the show at b-l-e-a-v underscore in underscore jets on twitter you can find me at andrew golden underscore 17 you can find big dog over there at coach jordan 34 and finally thank you to bet online for sponsoring the Believe in Jets podcast. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back real soon, hopefully to review a Jets win. See ya.